ready. Aim. Bullseye. This is Bullseye on Bulls Unlimited. Over the next hour, you'll hear from head football coach Alex Golish. We'll chat with a Bulls player. Sam Barrington catches up with a former member of the football team. And we'll step outside of football for an interview with a member of another South Florida sports team. Now, your Bullseye hosts, Kaylee Cottrell, B.J. Daniels, and Derek Sharp. And back from the bye week, hopefully you guys didn't miss us too much. Derek Sharp, Kaylee Cottrell, and B.J. Daniels, episode 8 of Bullseye. We'll get you set for the Bulls and Memphis Tigers. It is a packed show today that you guys are really going to enjoy. And although it's been about 10 days now since the last game, I definitely want to get you guys' thoughts on what took place in East Hartford, Connecticut. 24-21, the Bulls win. I love the fourth quarter. It was a little <laughs> hit and miss, but what a big win, BJ, going into the bye week. I mean, a big yeah. difference between three and five and four and four, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's extremely important to uh, get a win going into bye week. You get a chance to kind of relax a little bit, go into it with a, a good feel about yourself. Uh, you know, Connecticut has not always been very friendly to us, yeah. but I was very happy that we were able to pull out the win. And the guy who went for 186 yards in the uh, game, we continue to be big fans of Naquan, right? Yes, yes. He was awesome. I talked to him after the game and mm. so humble, gave credit yeah. to the O-line and, you know, gave a shout-out to Cole Skinner and Cole Bess, and they stepped up and, and had great yeah. games. And, um, man, that, that fourth quarter was really fun. And you could you could feel how much they turned it on on mm. the sideline. It was, it was a blast down there. And I talked to Suzanne Ward for my feature this week. She was going crazy up in the stands, as she always is. She's yeah always there very loyal supporter so yep. it was great feature on her coming up that's coming up yeah. on this show you might have seen her time or two on TV I do the radio side of things on Bulls Unlimited <laughs> if you didn't know we have the broadcast uh, for this week's game with our pregame at 1:30 for the three o'clock kickoff if you don't have Bulls Unlimited you can listen to the games there just download us on the TuneIn app now another thing that happened and we'll give you more of a look into this week's show which is phenomenal but this past week was Halloween yeah I know if you're a big Halloween guy I'm I don't have time to dress myself up. I, I do dress my dogs up, though, by the way. That's right. <laughs> they were dressed up as farmers, Farmer Franklin and Sidekick Sherman. They were at Moffitt Cancer Center on Halloween Day and That's brought cool. a lot of smiles that to everybody's cool. faces. Did cool. you get to enjoy anything yourself? I would have matched your dogs because with the bye week, went out with some friends, had some time, so we had a good time. But I just found, like five minutes before I left, I found a little denim skirt, um, kind of like a red checkered I don't the five minutes top. thing, by the way. I bet you this was I, I almost wasn't going to go. And then, and then I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just throw something together in my closet. And I found mm. a red bandana, tied it around my neck, and said I was a farmer. So, I would have matched your dogs. <laughs> BJ, are you a big Halloween guy? I'm not. I'm not. I'm oh, that's probably, right. You don't like sweets? The no, whole thing just turns you off. Right. I'm probably right. one of the uh, most scariest people you'll meet in your life. You know, I'm scared of dogs. I don't like ghosts. I don't watch scary movies. Like, I don't I'm, really either. I'm kind of yeah, the same way. I'm just, I'm very, pretty boring. boring let's, get into, let's get into the uh, yeah. scary movie thing. When's the last one you actually tried to watch? And um, People don't call this scary, but the movie Purge, uh, that oh, probably yeah, was no. the last oh. kind of yeah. scary thing I've ever watched. No, thanks for after that. that I was done. So I kind of feel you. Yeah, I'm not. I actually believe in the whole things could happen in the dark. So mm. <laughs> now you've got me scared. <laughs> now I understand the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like watching movies that I have to close my eyes during because I'm that scared and it doesn't take much. So at least we had our eyes open during the game last week. That's Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Uh, during the course of this show, we're going to talk to Naquan Wright. It was fantastic. Yeah. Jose Fernandez is going to join us as women's basketball is starting on Monday, actually Thursday night. The men's basketball team, first one for yep. 
and Mir Abdul Rahim at the Yingling Center going up against Edward Waters in an exhibition game. By the way, that is free admission. Also joining us today, and I want your take on your friend, uh, former Bull, Kayvon Webster. Yeah. Former Denver Bronco. Yeah. Did you have any run-ins with him in the in the postseason? Absolutely. The uh, you know, I had the opportunity and the blessing to be in the Super Bowl number one, but then to face one of my teammates, uh, someone I came into college with, and we both graduated and both got drafted the same year. So to play against Kayvon in the Super Bowl was was an amazing uh, thing. Uh, I think he still owes me a phone call. What do you mean? Um, you know, prior to the game, we, we made an agreement that no matter who wins, we would uh, hang out with each other after the game. So. Huh. Uh, Seahawks won, and I'm still waiting on Kayvon to call me back. So <laughs> I'm going to stick up for him. I wouldn't call you either. You beat us. We were friends. Yeah. Uh, he's got That's some awesome. interesting things to say uh, about his experiences in the NFL. So it's going to be, like we say, a jam-packed show here on Bullseye, a full hour. Of course, the head coach will be joining us next. Steps up, now going to run, makes a move. Ball comes out. Ball came out at the end of the play, and South Florida has the football. 2.15 to go. Let's go ahead and say his name again. Who's the guy? Mac Harris is the guy. You found the all-new South Florida Coaches Show on the radio, Bullseye, on Bulls Unlimited. Derek Sharp back with B.J. Daniels in the courts. Alex Golish. now it's been about 10 days, but we have to go back before we look forward. What a great comeback against UConn, sticking it out, getting the running game going, getting everything going in the fourth quarter, and not a bad way to go into the bye week, I take it. Yeah, it, it was it was really, really cool to see the guys go finish that game. You know, I, I thought defensively we played mm -hmm. as complete of a game. Turnovers, getting off the field when we had to lessen the explosives. Um, and at the end of the day, had the two drives we needed uh, to be able to go score. On the flip side, I thought offensively we we absolutely killed ourselves over and over again. Stalled out, uh, you know, at, at the 35, 40 yard line, that area where, like, man, you really want to punt it, can't kick the field goal, you go for it, and didn't execute. And then, you know, as the latter part of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, it was like everything we hadn't done well, we were able to go convert some big time third downs. We, I thought we had the running game going the entire game. I thought it was really critical there at the end as a compliment to us kind of playing in almost a two-minute mode there in the fourth. Um, it was really cool to see the resiliency. Both sides of the ball just be able to go finish the game, which, you know, the previous two weeks we, we couldn't get into that situation where we gave ourselves to go finish a game. But, but it, was, it was good. It was created some confidence for the guys. I thought our process that week was really good. That's why through three, three quarters, I'm sitting here like, man, oh man, I felt like we practiced mm -hmm. well, we were mm -hmm. on it. Felt like we just weren't, we weren't executing at some critical times when we had to until the fourth quarter. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you take it how you can get it. You're never gonna complain about a, a road win. Um, and then it's set up perfectly for us to get into a week where we can really work on ourselves, get a little bit ahead on Memphis and also get healthy. Yeah, Coach, you had nine explosives on offense. Three of them uh, were behind Naquan Wright and his shoulder pads, and uh, he's rushed for yet another 100 yards again. Um, you know, he seems to be the, work the workhorse, and he's uh, kind of separating himself in the running back room. Can you talk about what he's continuing to do and what he's showing you week in and week out to kind of carry that load? Yeah, I think he's a guy that, that came in and I think was feeling his way out, honestly, through the first four or five weeks and, mm -hmm. and had – several conversations about man like like you've got to practice 
with an intent that that it feels like a game. So when you get into a game, you, you truly are mentally and physically prepared. And I thought really the last month he's turned turned a corner in terms of how he prepares, how he practices, yeah. and you've seen it on the field. And so biggest the hardest time I give him is like, dude, you're in the open field, like you gotta <laughs> you, you gotta go finish your creating a lot of red zone plays yeah. for me, right? Yeah, you, you can't you be from can't, can't be from Dade County and then and then giving somebody else the, right. the plays from the eight. No, but but he's he's been really fun to be around. He's worked extremely hard. He's practiced extremely hard. He's I think confident now that he's earned the right to go lead because he's got a lot of really cool leadership traits in him. Yeah. Um, earned the right to be a captain last week and, and really right. took a lot of that workload. You'd really like to distribute the workload in that room, but mm -hmm. as you continue to get into critical situations, you feel like, man, like he's going to go get it for you. And he started off the first play with an explosive, yep. finished off the fourth <clears throat> quarter with an explosive, and uh, continues to, to do some really, really good things. But he's a great example of earning the right, right. right. to to go into a game and feel really confident. Absolutely. And he's going to be joining us. I'll be, make sure not to ask him about not being able to finish off those runs. That'll leave, leave you with that. Yeah. But we love the starts of the runs. Uh, you know, uh, there was, and this is general about play calling. I, I know a play that you want to ask him about, but I mm -hmm. love being able to line up in victory formation. But at the end of the game, it wasn't quite there yet. And specifically about the play where you're trying to wind down as much clock without punting it, without a field goal. Is that something you actually practice or in that specific situation, you just call people over and say, okay, here's what we're gonna do? No, you 100% practice it. It was a unique situation because you were, you were for sure in a situation where you didn't wanna create um, a play where a, a ball can get blocked and make it an easy touchdown. Okay. So, and, and it's not that I don't have confidence in our punt team, I don't have confidence in our field goal unit. You, you didn't want to put the ball in anybody's hand. Really, that whole last sequence, I said, I want the ball in one guy's hand. And really two guys, Naquan or Byram, right. and that is it. And you get a feel throughout a game, especially that fourth quarter, you're like, like man, I, I don't want it left to anybody else except those two guys. And so you've got, you've got really a couple plays where you can take off anywhere from six to 10 seconds. We were sitting at 14. Mm -hmm. And so you knew either which way you were gonna leave time on the clock unless you converted the first down. And so the other part of it is you didn't wanna lose any yards to where you were gonna give them a last play, a true Hail Mary opportunity. And so that particular play, we, we talked about on the sideline, off of a timeout, I let it wind down, took the timeout. And so we could talk about why we're calling that specific play. And literally the last thing I told Byron was like, you're either going down with the ball or it's a 100% gonna be completion. Either one, I'm good, mm -hmm. nothing else. There's not gonna be a tip ball, there's not gonna be anything. Like it's either wide open completion, you're launching that thing out of bounds or you're going down with the football. He took the third option, tried to burn as much as he could. You saw him cover up the football right. and go down created two plays for them. They had no timeouts. You felt like the only shot they had was a relatively long setup play for a Hail Mary. They weren't able to complete the setup play to get themselves into a Hail Mary situation. But no, super funky situation because of the 14 seconds. I think if it was more at in the eight to 10 second range, we had two different ways we could have ended the game. And so listen, like that was one that 
that even during the play, I'm like, man, we should really talk about this one more time <laughs> after the game. It was like, man, like, do you feel like we were right in the decision we made? And I go back and think that, and I'm super critical of myself, like beyond critical of myself. I do think it was the right decision to run that play and what I told Byron. Now, there was a wide open receiver running on a crossing, <laughs> but we'll take it how we can get it. And what was the play that you enjoyed? So yeah, much? one of my one of the coolest plays, I thought, uh, running the old school option. Uh, you know, the two-point conversion. You send the formation to the field. You jump the back, you know, last minute, and then you run option out the back door. I mean, just the confidence that – what kind of confidence, obviously, do you have? Obviously, in Byram pitching the ball to, to Naquan. And, I mean, it was a beautiful setup uh, from the get. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's come at some critical times for us this mm -hmm. year. Um, the, it, it all comes back. It's all cyclical. You yeah. know, the, 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 what we do offensively in a lot of ways is triple option football. That's more mm -hmm. true old school. Mm -hmm. um, but, you, again, who are the two guys who have the ball in their right. hands? It's Byram and it's, it's Naquan. But, but, you know, Western Kentucky, uh, Mikey scored on that same exact play. And um, you want the ball in his hands. We've used it in a lot of situations. We've used it in that situation. We've used it in some third and long situations mm -hmm. against Alabama where it's the same. It's, it's either wide open or Byron's going to tuck that thing and run, and he's been really good running downhill. But, yeah, it's a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, for play sure. The play before the rain delay, I think, in Alabama. It's been, a, it's been a while. You were talking about what you guys got to do during the bye week, and you said take a look at what we do, take stock. Uh, could you share a couple highlights with uh, what you're able to take stock with? Yeah, I, I think that bye week was was really good for us to really, one, take a day and, and catch our breath a little bit. Um, while we caught our breath, you were able to go back and look at us and reflect a little bit on, man, like, what are we doing? And really on all three sides of the ball, what are we doing well? Because I think when you get into a flow of a week, especially with morning practices, you're, you're kind of in a groove where right. it's, harder than you want it to be to look back. We obviously self-scout ourselves every week, but look at it really through a big picture lens and say, what are we doing well? Who is actually making plays for us? And schematically, what are we doing well? Let's fine tune that. Mm -hmm. What are we not doing well? Like, is it critical to for us as we move forward? Can we just scrap and say, man, we'll worry about it in the off season. So looked at ourselves really critically and then took essentially a day and a half and worked through that then took time to get ahead on Memphis. Um, I think for our guys to be able to have an initial game plan before they left uh, for, for their two and a half days where they got to go home and, and spend some time with their families, but tried to use it to get ahead. And the last part of it was, it was critical for us to get out and recruit. And, and we have, we've dabbled on some Fridays getting out and recruited, I've gone out, uh, but it was good to be able to get out without having a game on Saturday and see a bunch of the guys that are committed to us, see a bunch of guys that we're trying to make evaluations on, because you, you blink and you're six weeks from signing day. And so, wow. uh, really seven weeks from signing day. And so we've, we've had to make some decisions. Young, young guys are making decisions as well. So it was really good. It was awesome to be at, we were at games Thursday night, we were at games Friday night. A bunch of our staff was at games on Saturday. We made a bunch, made a bunch of decisions. So it was good to get back Sunday and, and kind of put those together. and really know which way we're going there. At the end of the day, you've got to recruit, and, and we've, we've worked extremely hard to put a really special class together. We've got to go finish this thing and, and get some difference makers in here. That's tremendous. And a, a couple of days off for the players, but obviously not for the staff so much. But you still get to enjoy this time of the year. Talking about the Halloween situation, it looked like <laughs> your kids were trying to dress up as assistant coaches, or was one of them you? 
Yeah, my daughter was me. <laughs> she went with the all black look with the sunglasses um, and chewing gum. She thought she was super <laughs> proud of the gum. But no, it was, it was awesome. We had, we had all the, the entire staff, little kids were here dressed up last night. Um, and uh, they, the players didn't know. Actually, I don't think our coaches knew. And um, they went during evening position meetings, went trick-or-treated in all the position rooms. Our players got a kick out of it. It was awesome for our kids, and we had pizza and, and hung out for about a half hour and then kicked them out and went right back to Memphis. Cool. So. Okay, do you, if you do, when was the last time you did, pick out a Halloween uniform, or is that Alexis? Are you a big costume guy? I'm guessing no. Man, it always falls in a game week. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so I haven't had time to worry about Halloween costumes. Honestly, I think maybe like my junior year in college. Man, I don't want to piss anybody off there. But that was probably the last time I dressed up. You get a pass. Yeah, I'd be good. You know what? Let's pause there. I would like to try and dress up like DJ Daniels, but I don't have that much money, man. Oh, Look at man. this. Look what you got it's, going on. I got a suit you can Derek, wear. You, got, you, you need a lot more money. Dude, you played in the league. Works out more than we do. Look at you got a, what is this, a chief? A chief? I, I don't know. I just started matching my tie and my okay. blue. You know, it's the details. BJ got a guy. He's we got, all got a guy. We all got a guy. Hey, uh, heard the Memphis coach talking about you in favorable terms that you, as assistants, ran into each other. I know it's a talented offensive team. I'm sure you watched their mm -hmm. wild one against North Texas. And we wrap it up here. A challenge for the Bulls this week on the road. Yeah, you know. Uh, very much a veteran team um, you know I, I think they went through a lot of what we're going through a year ago right. um, had coordinator changes um, and I give Ryan a lot of credit you know changed some things on his staff that he felt like were were holding them back that takes a lot to do um, and and you could see the maturity a, another year in a system obviously a quarterback that's really special and is, is playing at a really high rate a running game, and Memphis has always had an incredible running game. You know, I go back to coached against them in the Liberty Bowl in 2017. Ran the ball extremely well. Had a really good quarterback. It's like I got getting deja vu. And uh, Ryan was was on that staff, and and then defensively, you know, I think schematically what they do is really really sound. They play really really hard. I think that's the one thing you flip the film on, and I just said it in the press conference. You always know somebody's buy-in by when you flip the film on. Like, are they playing really hard? Are they assignment sound? Mm. Um, I think both of those things. They play really hard. Their assignment sound, um, and they've got playmakers. They got playmakers on the perimeter, offensively. They've got an elite back, uh, and they got a quarterback. Like, like that's a really good recipe for success. And then defensively, they play extremely hard. They fly to the ball. I, you could tell they believe in what they're being coached. They they pressure like crazy and. Mm. And so it'll be a really big challenge for us to go on the road, conference game against a team that's established in this league and has kind of been there, done that. Um, so it, it, it'll be a really cool um, test for us. Where are we? Are, are we there? You know, I think at times we've played like we are, at times we haven't. Are we there? If we are, awesome. Let's go compete like crazy and, and, uh, and come out of there with a bunch of success. If we're not there, it gives you at least a, a uh, benchmark to say, man, like, we got to get there, and uh, we'll go right back to work. So either way, the most important thing is our process this week, get to Memphis and, and play as hard as we can, as long as we can, and execute at a high clip. Thank you so much. Best of luck this week. Thank you. We'll talk about it next week with the coach right here on Bullseye, which continues, yes, with Naquan Wright. Here's a run by Wright, and he's into the secondary. Naquan Wright still going to the 20, to the 10. A huge run by Naquan Wright. 
and the Bulls have a first and goal on the nine yard line. 47 yard run. This is your radio home for South Florida football. Bulls Unlimited, back to Bullseye. Very happy to be joined by Naquan Wright, running back for your South Florida Bulls. Derek Sharp with Kaylee Cottrell here on Bullseye. First of all, let me just point this out, and I'm going to say this as praise towards you. You've done so much for this team, but you do not seek out interviews. He, he's a guy that <laughs> has wanted to sort of lay low. You understand the attention, though, right, sir? Yeah. <laughs> you, you've earned it. You've earned it. Mm. And you've earned it with your style of play. I know Kaylee had a great anecdote yeah, on that. Yeah, earlier this week, my dad actually asked me, so who's, who's the interview for this week's show? And I said, Naquan. And he, he took a minute, and then it kind of clicked, and he was like, oh, number five. And he goes, I, I, he, you catch his eye every game, and it's just your style of play is so powerful. It's very memorable. Now, what's going on behind us? You're about to try and get on the jugs gun. Yes, Ex sir. You don't have to do that. Tell people why you're doing that. I mean, you don't have to do it, but it's just I feel like hell with our coordination, concentration, and just catching the ball. You know what I mean? As a running back, you don't really get that much target as a receiver. So when you do get a target in a game or two, you want to capitalize on it to help the team. I noticed that you have a little a little variety to your game as well. Let's yes, talk sir. about your last game. Uh, you showed everything that was on display. 186 <laughs> yards, and I know you're not sitting there, you know, looking at your numbers during the course of the game. Did you uh, did you have a feeling that you could go off a little bit against UConn? Actually, I didn't know the yardage uh, during the game. Uh, when I got back, like after the game, they told me like at halftime you was close to 100. I just really wanted to help the team out, man. Get us the win. That's really like be my main thing. Just help my teammates out, do the best I can after the game I know we talked and something that you really notice about this team is humility and when I asked you about the game that you had and, and what was working so well the first thing that you did was give credit to the O-line and give your guys the shout outs there why is that so important to you to, to kind of give that credit and how proud are you of the way these position groups have developed and evolved over the season I would just say man it's a team sport you know what I mean mm -hmm. I'm the one carrying the ball, so they'll give me all the credit like I did it by myself. In reality, I did not. You know what I mean? It's really like, like I say, the O-line, the guys on the perimeter, they make everything possible. I wish they could interview all of us, you know what I mean? Hmm. Because those guys work hard, just as hard as me. And actually, I think I, I had the easy part, just run the ball. They the one create the lanes, doing a lot of physical contact, you know what I mean? So they deserve an interview as well. Hmm. Talk about like giving credit. I'm such a Coach Merritt fan. What's it like working with him? Coach Merritt is a cool dude, man, solid dude. Just coming in, the first conversation, I found a lot of similarities in myself and the type of principles and values that I grew up on. He had the same in him, man. I love that guy. Uh, he helped you, not just, not just on the field, off the field as well, man. He's family. Part of the great coaching staff here, and I know that I'm guessing anyway that the coaching staff had a little bit to do with you coming here. Uh, I'm sure the promise of a high and mighty offense and, and, and fast <laughs> offense, which we've seen. Talk about your decision to come here. Uh, coming here, uh, it, was, it was actually like I tell everyone, USF wasn't in the conversation at all. They came pretty late, you know what I mean? So I came up here. They called me on like a Thursday. I came Friday, and they made everything work. So I found that pretty cool and interesting that with, so, with not so much time that you – you make me a priority to get up here, man. Then the offense coming in, coach saying that the offense was fast, but <laughs> him saying it and actually being in it is very different. Like him talking, I was like, man, I've been a part of fast offense, but when you get in this thing, man, this thing go pretty fast, faster than you think it is, and watching it on TV. And when you get into a rhythm on offense, I'm sure it's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. How does it feel being on the field when it's going on? Do you sense the defense is like, whoa, we, we're in trouble here? 
Uh, I would say it's pretty smooth, man. Like, when you get in that rhythm, when anyone get in the rhythm, it's mm -hmm. pretty hard to stop them. You know what I'm saying? Once you get in that groove, and then you just feed off each other, man. So I felt like we, we give the defense and the special team energy and, then, and vice versa. Well, uh, speaking of feeding off things and giving energy, I, I know you know what I'm going to ask you about, <laughs> the, 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 the run against Alabama. And I know you probably didn't go into that game planning on making a statement, but it did make a statement. And uh, ha ha have people stopped talking to you about it? The take, how did that feel for you when it, when it happened? No, I actually hear it often, but the crazy part about it is I just don't know how that one blew up. And if people watch the game, they would see I actually did it against FAMU, the, mm -hmm. same, the same game, the same hit, everything. So... I guess because it's Bama that they blew it up. I tell my coaches the same thing, like, Coach, why are they blowing that one up? I just did it a week before and no yeah. one said anything. But, you know what I mean? I just had, like, a message I wanted to send at the beginning of the game. Like, beginning of the game, I'm looking for contact. I'm not trying to, like, avoid it. I'm trying to look to set the tone. Hmm. You know what I mean? Start early, man. Scratch some fear in those guys. Definitely, I think it, it, it works in, in that situation. You know, I want to go back to, to your early days. Joey Johnston on GoUSFBulls.com has a story about you growing up in Miami, and I'm guessing it has a lot to do with how much you appreciate, you just talked about giving credit, appreciate life in general. If you don't mind, tell people what happened to you. It was a, kind of a traumatic experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I tell everyone, it was a regular day at practice. I was at 11 years old playing at Bunch Park, and just shots fired. You know what I mean? My coach was yelling, get on the ground, telling all us to get on the ground as I was crawling towards where they were telling the direction away from the uh, uh, shots. A bullet had ricocheted off the ground and had hit a nerve in my right shoulder. So, I mean, I was just going through the rehab process, ton of support from uh, the community. I played for Bunch Paul, so ton of support hmm. from just the whole Miami. You know what I mean? They helped me get through the process. Uh, as soon as it happened, I was just on my way to the hospital. I had asked uh, the nurse on the on, uh, bus, not the bus, the ambulance, uh, just will I be able to play this week? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I have week. a passion and a love for the game of football, and I respect the game. So I just don't want to take any moment for granted. You know what I mean? So you were 11, and instead of being scared, <laughs> you were thinking, can I play? Is that right? Yeah, sure. I asked, I asked uh, and my family just shocked, man. But I think it was really impact my family more because my mom got the call I was dead Whoa. at the time. That's what she had told me after the fact. So just being the last of four. You know what I mean? And I'm her sure. baby boy, so <laughs> I definitely don't want to hurt her. I try to not do things to hurt her or put her in a bad position. So I just, I owe her. I feel like I owe her. You know what I mean? She sort of uh, gives us a ton of support, ton of gratitude towards her and her love. That's tremendous. And one other thing that I noticed in the article, I, I do follow you on social media, and I, I didn't even think twice about it because you see emojis and you just go to the next thing. You put a turtle emoji out, and yes, to me, sir, you're you're not slow. So explain <laughs> the turtle thing. Just, just I, I just, I, I just see myself as a turtle, slow and steady, not in a rush. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like through this, through my whole life, I've been through adversity. You know what I mean? And that's why I get the turtle sense for like the turtle going to get to the finish line, but it may take a while. Hmm. It's gonna go through a few things, a couple bumps, speed bumps. You know what I mean? Just growing up, broke both ankles. You know what I mean? Uh, hmm. Had surgeries been shot, so just different adversity, man. And just felt like, man, no matter what, just keep faith and I'll overcome it. Oh, wow. You've really developed a role here of being a leader. How much does taking on a role like that mean to you? I don't take it for granted, man. Mm -hmm. I actually don't take it for granted. Those guys look at me as someone they could count on. Just coming, just coming in, I just wanted to be someone that my teammates could depend on in any moment, whether it's on the field or off the field. And I feel like, man, I just want to be that vessel for the Lord, man. Let them use me. Well, the other day, we did a video together to give a little <laughs> shout out to some kiddos on some Pop Warner teams. And you really took 
the time to talk to these kids and say like go on to make a Super Bowl one day and just went that extra mile to talk to them and has that always been your nature to motivate and inspire no I wouldn't say it. I would say just me being on the park back in Bunch Park mm -hmm. I always wanted like those guys in college or the NFL just to come back and just tell her what it takes to get there and what they going through you know what I mean so coming growing up we really didn't have that down there where athletes come back and give their time so any break I get, I'm down at the parks, man, just supporting, watching the game, man. It really brings them joy. It actually brings me joy just to see the type of questions that they asking on, on how it's going. And, you know what I mean? A lot of questions I get are just about, like, how you keep going. And I really just tell them, man, faith. Like, I think faith is key in this thing, man. Outstanding. Hey, love you telling some of your background stories, much less what you're doing on the field. Keep doing what you're doing. Go get in that extra work. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nick no, Thank you. I appreciate thank it. You. that and they with two games left at that have wrapped up the American Conference regular season crown. You're listening to Bullseye on Bulls Unlimited. Very special guest now on Bullseye head women's basketball coach Jose Fernandez entering year number 24. Coach the season starts for you guys on Monday. I know you are ready to roll aren't you? We are you know especially Especially now, today, we'll practice 26, 11 team workouts, four inner squad scrimmages, two scrimmages. We've been ready to play for about a week and a half, so um, looking forward to getting started Monday. We don't want to mention any secrets to the scrimmages. We don't want to say who you played, but you learn stuff about your team yeah, scrimmages, right? I think you learn a lot, especially when you scrimmage two teams that, that are really, really good and they're going to be playing in March and NCAA tournament. So, um, we learned a lot about ourselves offensively and defensively. Um, so they were good. I like our depth. Mm. I like, uh, I like our locker room. Uh, we're going to be a little different, uh, on both ends of the floor. So, you know, we will see. When you schedule like you do, I think it helps to play some power teams during the preseason. D does everybody, does it get them to attention? Yeah, uh, you schedule that way so you prepare your team in November, December for conference play, right? And not only that, in case something happens, like we have a one bad night where I thought we were the best team in 16, on 16 occasions last year, going 15-1 and winning a regular season title. You have, you, have a, you have a bad night in the conference tournament. Now you've, you've already played such a great schedule in November, right. December if you don't win the conference tournament. You're, you're there positioning yourself for an at-large bid. Talking about the fallback last year against Wichita in the first round of the AAC tournament, it didn't matter because of their schedule. So this year, NC State uh, coming here, Alabama, of course. You get Texas in a multi-team event. Now, I'm going to ask about you guys' schedule. Do you just go to the event, know you're in the event, and then let it shake out? Or do you seek out certain teams in certain situations? No, we, here's, we always want to go to a multi-team event to get three games in three days, number right. one, because that mimics a conference tournament. But we play in tournaments that we know we're going to get at least two really good games. Yeah. Well, we're going to go, we're going to, we got Arizona State and Texas in, in the Virgin Islands. Yeah. You got Baylor it, at West Palm, right? So that's three good ones. You got to return the home and home and NC State and then um, Alabama. So we got five, five really, really good games to get us ready um, for January, February. 
And as the play-by-play -play announcer on the radio, I want to say thank you for scheduling exotic locations. He just slipped in the Virgin Islands and West Palm I'll take as well. Uh, and I'm sure down the road, it's always going to be equally scenic. You mentioned this year's team is going to look a little different. Of course, you don't have the big center with Dulce Fancomangiati. You don't have Elena Chinecki. Is it going to, in your opinion, be more balanced scoring this year? Because it seems like they would go two types. Well, you, you lose two starters in Dulce and L that went in the WNBA draft. You know, that's tough to replace. But you return Carl and Danny, you're solid there at the four. Carlo plays from three. Uh, mm. Ariel at the point guard spot. You got Sammy, one of the best shooting guards in the entire country. Marina Asensio, Yannette Arnio. You got those guys. Emma, they got minutes last year. And then you add, you know, some transfers that I think are going to play for us. And Ave and Romy Levy. Uh, uh, Lore, junior college transfer, and you got uh, Vittoria and uh, Valero that can give us minutes on the wing. So we'll probably play a lot more people. Where are all the points going to come from? I think we're going to be more balanced and more collective. That was the, the basic idea of that question. You mentioned Valero. You have a couple of Judiths, freshmen from Spain. Uh, when you have so many new players, you're trying to run and get them to learn all the plays. Do you ease in with the freshmen a little bit? Do you have to break out into some Spanish to make sure they understand what's going on in this case? Uh, I think it's all based on our player development and film and our position coaches and watching film as a team. Um, yeah, we run a lot of actions, but a lot of those actions, we've already practiced those in, in, in workouts. And how do you feel this team is ready to roll this year? I mean, do you think, I mean... I think what, we're in a good place, Derek. You know, time will tell. You know, we'll start on Monday, we'll find out. And do we know what the lineup is? Do you want to break that out? Or do we want to I, I do know that? what the lineup is, you know, <laughs> but uh, still, we still got a couple, maybe one more spot to work out before Monday night. Last question. Are you going to have to sell any more tickets and get on the phone? I love those videos. And just seriously, speak about your season ticket base. I think it's easy because we got a good product. We got great kids. We've, it's easy to come to games because we've won. But it was, it was great to... Uh, you know, our ticket office works really, really hard, and it was great to get on the phone and make an extra push, but also th uh, thank some uh, current season ticket holders for their support. Well, Jose, I think your product sells itself, but it was cool to see you do it. We'll see you at the Yingling Center on Monday. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Bullseye, which continues next. On third down and goal from inside the one. They hand it off to Gray, tries the left side. The ball comes out. It's picked up by USF. He's going to run down the far sideline, and nobody is going to catch him. Kayvon Webster, that's six for the balls. USF leads Notre Dame. Hi-yow. You got to love it right there. Bullseye continues on Bulls Unlimited. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Barrington here with our weekly alumni check-in, and we have a very special guy for you guys today, <clears throat> Mr. Kayvon Webster, Mr. Miami, Mr. 305, Mr. Smith and Webster, so many names, Mr. Super Bowl champ Kayvon, how you doing today? I'm doing well today. Definitely so many hats that I'm wearing these days. Uh, grateful to be here. Kayvon, we came to USF together. We turned down Miami together. That's a story for another day. We graduated together. I'm just so proud of you. And I just I just want to let you know that I always tell you that. Tell us about your experience coming to USF and summarize it right going into the NFL draft in 2013. What were those four years like for you? First off, I would like to say I'm proud of you as well. You know, we, Thanks, did, man. we have done a lot of things together. 
and we're continuing to add to the things we've done. Um, as far as my time at USL, I would say it was like living in the best of both worlds. You know, you had the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. So <clears throat> it was kind of like a thing where it was a balance, you know, it was a balance all around, like off the field and on the field. And leading up to the draft, it was kind of an uh, interesting thing because, you know, playing at USF and the record that we had, you wouldn't have thought that these things would have been possible as far as, you know, being recruited and getting drafted and just, you know, making it to the next level. It's, it's just very tough coming from a smaller school um, that teams that people don't really put respect on. And I think around the time when we was coming out, you know, we were still like building those blocks to gain to the respect in Florida as being one of those big three or adding to the big three of South Florida schools. Um, it was it was great for me. I, I can't really complain. I wouldn't take anything. I wouldn't take anything away from what happened at USF. And I wouldn't take anything that's happened, you know, since I graduated. That's awesome. Now, it was a lot of DBs taken that year. You were one of those guys who the right people knew about. Obviously, you had the right combination of size. You're a very fast guy. I don't know if UF fans know this, but you ran track all four years you were at USF. You, Lindsey Lamar, Derek Hopkins. What do you think was the most the, the, the most contributory factor that led to you being drafted in third round by a really good Denver Broncos team? I would say for me is uh, the focus. You know, the last two years of, of USF was tough uh, for us. We had lost six games by three. So that was our first, like, adversity being at USF. And then, you know, the following year we went three and nine. So that was kind of even more depressing. You know, you put in all of this work and you want to see the results, but, you know, maybe the results don't happen right then. And so. Uh, that just took a, that just took me into a mindset of focus, like, okay, I see the way our season is going. I still have to give this my all because I want to go to the next level. And what do I have to do to go to the next level? I have to do more than what I've been doing at the collegiate level. I have to tr train my body and mind a little bit more. And, you know, those were a little bit of things I was focused on when I was coming out of South Florida. Um, was making sure that my mind was strong and, and that my game was strong as well. So practicing every day on my techniques and my body were some of the things I was focusing on to get me to that next level. Sure. Okay, now you leave USF, you get drafted in the third round, and you join a team with guys that will be in the Hall of Fame one year, obviously Peyton Manning, um, DeMarcus Ware, just a ton of other guys. And you get an opportunity to play early, not on defense, but on special teams. And then after a tumultuous career, your last two years at USF, you find yourself in the Super Bowl. Now, that's the top of the top for guys. How was that experience for you? Uh, it's something you really can't really explain. Um, you would have to actually be on a Super Bowl team to understand the feeling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've experienced, you know, not <clears throat> winning. I've experienced not winning, you know, for two years of my last two years of college. So getting drafted to the Broncos, you know, with that being my favorite team and then being able to play with my favorite player and to be able to win at the highest level and then, you know, be a part of 
a team with Hall of Future Hall of Famers and and things like that. That was really it's like a dream that you can't really even explain. You know, it's not even like the dream came true because I didn't really never dream of of this. You know, I had I had another kind of dream and it just really evolved. You know, with meeting my favorite player, actually having a relationship with him, getting invited to his wedding. Um, setting up his bachelor's And that's party. Champ Bailey, correct? Uh, yeah, and that's Champ Bailey, uh, for everyone that doesn't know. You know, um, I used to go to practice at USF, and I used to be like, Champ Bailey is here today. Ain't nobody catching the ball. And <laughs> that was a, and that was a thing, you know. Um, the receivers, they, they couldn't stand it. It was like they was trying to challenge me every practice when I say that. And then, you know, after the rep, it's like, I said what I said, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so it was it was like a surreal moment, you know, being able to be on a a team with one of my favorite players and and then one of my my favorite team, and then being able to add some guys in like DRC Rogers Camardi, and Tony Carter, uh, Michael Huff, um, Quentin Jammer. Who else do we have? Uh, we had Chris Harris at the time. And then, you know, having Raheem Moore, uh, Mike Adams, a lot of OG veterans, uh, a part of that Super Bowl team when I first, uh, when I was a rookie. So it was definitely a surreal feeling. Uh, You would have to have been a part of the actual team to understand the feeling that you get from winning a Super Bowl and actually going to a Super Bowl. It's just like, it's unbelievable. Man, that's special, man. I just, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking about my time in Green Bay and we were a play away from making it. You know, it is a really special time. I'm definitely happy that you had the opportunity to experience that. And then, you know, so talk about your time. All right, obviously you leave Denver, you get an opportunity to sign a second contract with the Rams, which was pretty special. And you sign that contract and not only are you in a new city, you have a new business to in endeavor in five three oh five. How how was that initially birthed? Because we'll talk about how it's become Smith and Webster, but obviously how was that birth and what motivates you to become a business owner while you were still, you know, in a blossoming um blossoming NFL career? Um uh, so I think I think what people don't don't really know about me is uh like yeah I wanted I wanted to be um an NFL player wanted to win Super Bowls, go to Pro Bowls. And, you know, I had all these uh, individual and team goals, you know. But growing up, that wasn't the only thing that I thought of myself being. You know, I always had more than one thing going on. And I never relied on one thing to take care of all the things that I wanted. I just know that I always had to have multiple things going because I needed multiple things to be happening in order for me to enjoy uh, the things that I want to do. If I'm not going to be able to compete at the highest level that I need to compete at, I need to be doing something else. And, you know, I had a personal chef at the time and, you know, he was on salary. I was uh, paying him, and, you know, when I got injured, it just gave me a little bit of time to sit down and focus on myself and see what I'm doing and how I can do these things better. 
like when I got hurt, we was moving into the off season. So it was kind of like, I didn't really need the personal chef anymore as much as I needed him during the season, because during the season, you know, you wake up six o'clock, be at the building by seven, getting your film, yeah. getting your therapy, getting warmed up. And then you there all day until about five, six o'clock. You know, when you get off at six o'clock, you ain't thinking about going home and whipping up a five-star meal. So that's why the chef was there. So after a while, I started looking at the numbers of, you know, having a living chef and, and, you know, some players on the team were like, how do we get what you have? And we started to try to do a meal prep service through my home. It went well. Uh, we started getting players from the Chargers and then we started getting players from the Rams. But something happened in the midst of... The, the chef didn't really agree with the prices. I was like, well, instead of you cooking personally for people, let's just cook for everyone. I was watching a movie one day and, you know, I got motivated and I started doing my research and I went and found a food truck. One of my teammates, his name is uh, Dominique Easley. He wanted to partner with me without even knowing anything. And I was just like, well, I don't, I would, I would love to have a partner in this, but I feel like this is something that I need to, navigate solo first before I start taking anyone's money and misplacing it. Great decision. And so that's what I did. And then I told the team about it. The team made an article. They put it out for press release. It was on ESPN. It was like Kayvon Webster's bringing a uh, Miami cuisine to uh, Los Angeles. And then the following day, I got released from the team, you know? And so... When I got released from the team, it was just like more confirmation, like, okay, I need to capitalize off of this media, you know? And I'm big on, if I say something that I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. No matter how long it take me to do it, I'm going to still put my mind to seeing how I can conquer this or how I can get this going for the benefit of not only myself, but for others. And so that was the start of the food truck. Like, you can't go wrong. You can't fail. And so that was my motto going into the food truck business in which it turned into a full brick and mortar like two years after that, you know, to get Smith and Webster. And now um, Smith and Webster is expanding to Core Springs um, to be the third restaurant. But rewind before that, Smith and Webster was started after the food truck and then Smith and Webster was born and then we opened Brandon's Bistro. And then we open in um, Coral Springs location now. That should be online in like the next few weeks. Man, I thought I knew you, but you turned me on to some details that I had no idea about. And again, man, I think it's just a special opportunity when, you know, fans can watch a guy grow up. You came to USF in 2009, and now here it is 14 years later. You know, you were going into week nine of the season, well, week. Yeah, week nine of the season, right? Uh, you know, 14 years ago when you were a freshman at USF. And so I, I'm i proud of you. I know so many fans are proud of you, and we appreciate you for who you are, the Bulls Nations. Thank you for making time for us and uh, continue to give us stuff to be proud of you about. And, hey, all Bulls fans, go down when you're in Miami, when you're in Coral Springs, when you're in Miami Gardens. Go check out Kayvon's spot. The food is delicious. I can vouch. Until next time, Bulls fans. Go Bulls. You're listening to Bullseye on Bulls Unlimited.
Well, that was pretty jam-packed as we get set now for looking ahead to Memphis and the actual city along with the football game. But I got to ask you, B.J. Daniels, since, you know, we're not football players, Kaylee and I, we don't really know <laughs> how beneficial a bye week is for the body. How banged up do you get and how beneficial is it? I mean, the bye week here is so beneficial. I mean, if you think about the injuries that may happen, uh, it happens all season. You know, I don't think any football player is 100% healthy. Uh, there's fingers, toes, toenails, <laughs> eyelashes, things happen. Oh, throughout. eyelashes is bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it happens. Yeah. So to have at least a week off, it feels like a vacation. You know, so have that, that opportunity to get healthy. Uh, your ankles, you know, kind of get back right. Your feet get up under you. You kind of get the, the wind beneath your wings, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's extremely important, especially to get a win and go into a bye week. It, it feels so much better. About time you quoted a Bette Midler song during the course of Bulls. I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> I was just waiting for that moment. And I know we teased you about your your dressing up like you yeah. with Coach Golish, but that really is an awesome suit. It man. really is. Well, thank you. I appreciate it's it. It's fantastic. I love it. So you're going to Memphis. Yeah. Getting those hopefully victorious sideline interviews again. Yeah. What's your experience been so far in your life in Memphis? So I've never been to Memphis. All right. So I'm go. excited to go. Yeah. Here we go. Don't know what's. Yeah, I've heard mixed reviews, but I'm excited. Uh, if you yeah. like barbecue, do you? I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm not picky. I love everything. For barbecue? Yeah. Uh, I don't have any barbecue places. But you have. No, nope. but I do. Um, actually, have. Uh, you should go to Motown. Okay. Uh, you know, music. Music is very ah. big in, in Memphis. So. Yeah. Uh, they have a street full of just uh, old records and different things and companies and bars that. Oh, I love um, it. And restaurants that uh, you know, people started. Um, people started their careers. A lot of jazz. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, good place. Good place to oh, enjoy that's yourself. That's awesome. What yeah. a vibe. Bring in the vibe. If yeah. you can get over to Beale Street, that's yeah. a nice place to go. Yeah, it's right the there. Beale Street. Okay. I, I'd, honestly, you don't don't feel bad that you didn't know this. I didn't know this until I was with women's basketball last season, right there, on the west side of Memphis, which is the west side of Tennessee. It is right next to Arkansas. Mm. So if you ever see, you know, the, the that's right. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a geography guy. <laughs> <laughs> just worry just worry about the Liberty Bowl, which is gotcha. where the action is okay. going to be taking place. Wow. Okay. Noted. All right. I'm excited. And, uh, and and we want a full barbecue report next week as well. Deal. Wherever Deal. you get it. I got you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back next week to recap that and bring you more fun interviews. Good luck, Bulls, and keep those horns up.